Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Hello and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I am Delvin, a.k.a. The Dark Web. In case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We are going for a wild, crazy ride chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers. But I will not, I will never be going at it alone. I mean, who wants to just hear me talk? Let's meet people you might want to hear talk. First up, we have our Transformers expert, the lesser half of married watching cartoons, and the Rod Pod, the provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. And with that proper introduction, John, what is up? That was that was pretty great, Delvin. Thank you very Thank much. You. Yes. Well, I, everything's going uh, pretty well. I, I've I've had my um, I know I know we don't um, list off the things that have transformed in our lives, but I, I have had a transformative event. Uh, that I decided to go back to college. I am taking a library sciences program. Uh, about 10 years ago, I went to school, uh, studied history and sociology, which was great and very fulfilling, but not you know very lucrative as far as a career was concerned. And mm-hmm. so uh, I decided I wanted to go get a job doing something that I like doing. And so I'm going to school for this program. Uh, a big chunk of it, I've already, I wind up, of getting credit for because of past stuff. So it'll be just a little over a year mm-hmm. and then I'll be like looking for jobs in libraries and such. But today I became a student for the first time and <laughs> that was over 11 years. And uh, it's, it's all online, which has its benefits and detriments, you know, in, in terms of things, but it, it's going to be interesting. So we'll see nice. how it goes. Well, what kind of lunchbox did you bring to school today? I'm, I had to go with the way it's always been. Uh, lunch boxes were too much of a luxury when when paper bags, you know, <laughs> were just like, you know, that sounds like, like your dad. A hundred of them you get for like two bucks, <laughs> and that works just as well to bring it from the fridge over to the couch where I was eating my lunch. <laughs> well, just remember, if a mean villainous professor asks you a complicated math question. The answer to it is four. Four. I've got to write that down. And if anyone gets that movie reference, I will give them a dollar. Uh, While y'all are thinking about that, we're going to move on. Hold on, wait. I got to go back to the script because I have to introduce them properly. Next up, we have a guy, let's see, despite his lifelong love of comic books, has really just been introduced to the world of the Transformers. He's, he's a little bit of a novice now. He's not brand new, like novice mm-hmm. level, since we're about at, at episode 31. He is the founder of the Longbox Crusade. He is Pat Sampson. We call him DJ Christados. Pat, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going? Good to see everybody. It's glad to be back here. And I'm glad I got you guys here because I got this crazy idea for a car wash. Hmm. With some okay. funky music playing, because you know DJ with DJ Kristowska, and so it's how I got you guys here. I'm just looking for a little seed money. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I think you guys would be really pretty, interested. Yeah. Sounds pretty good on the surface, but is there anything underlying that you might 
or might not be telling me about? No, no, I think it'd be good. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some some good stuff here. It, it'll help me with my import exporting business that I have also going on in other places. But mm-hmm. I've been tr- I've been trying out the prototype that Pat put together, and I got to tell you, it is awesome. But what is so weird is that my car just it seems like the gas mileage is going way down. Yeah, I fill up my gas tank when I go there, and it seems like I come out of there with like a quarter of gas tank. But my car is yeah. very clean afterwards. Yeah, it's that mm-hmm. new ego model we got going on. I see you you come in and I help you reduce your uh, gas intake. That seems like like a true thing. Seems like the car wash version of Hotel California. But it while we dwell on that, well, I have people and they they work and they work. <laughs> We're gonna work. move on. <laughs> To the greater half of married watching cartoons, her name is Maggie Schaefer Hames. Hello, Maggie. It is my name. Hello, Delvin. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm all right. I'm all right. Nothing. Well, your husband's going back to school. I mean, do you, yes. you have any exciting news to share about yourself in your life? Nope. <laughs> I go to work, and that's my life. Although. For Christmas, John did make the mistake of buying me a physical copy of Horizon Zero Dawn, which is my favorite PlayStation 4 game. So I've been mm-hmm. playing that. She keeps restarting it. I Okay, look. I was trying it on different levels of difficulty. I'm, I'm I found with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wanted to try it on story mode just to see what that was like, but that was way too easy. And then I tried it on normal, and I'm like, nah, it's not like too hard, but it's hard enough that it's just a pain to get from place to place. So I didn't like that. So I went back to easy and <laughs> Just playing it again on the mode I played it on in the first place. But I love that game. Mm-hmm. And the the sequel comes out February 18th. And I'm very excited for that. I plan on taking an extended weekend and kicking John out of the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of done like the same thing. play that game. Nope. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Just me. I've, I've kind of done the same thing with Pokemon uh, Brilliant Pearl and Shining, or Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond. Ooh. Ooh. Where I've, I've started it and then I'm like, oh, I don't like where I got with this one. So I'm going to redo it again. And Yes. I do the same thing with my Pokemon games, too. I do. I'll just start back at the beginning. I'm like, nah, I'm not digging this. I did it with Morrowind. Also, yeah. I got to a, a point where I just realized. But that was because I didn't like the character class I'd chosen. So I just went back yeah. and read. Yeah. I'm not wrong with it. It's just I've seen the same <laughs> fight know. with. With, the, the same opening like five times. Five now. times. And the and the storyline, I love the game. It's one of my favorite games I have ever seen or played. Yeah. And but the story that, that gets unfolded because it's a post-apocalyptic thing that's really well realized. But when you start to learn the story, and I will not spoil about how our world ended to get to this, it is so bleak. And the way that you learn about it is so awful. And Maggie's going to just keep playing it yep. up over and over again because <laughs> she likes to kill robotic T-Rexes with fire arrows. Well, yeah. I mean, the story is, it, it, the storytelling is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. It's very sad, but it. Which game is this again? It's called Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. Mm-hmm. The and game then, that, and I know it isn't new, that I have been i've heard about it before but was one of my good friends here jake was telling me about uh, that is addictive as all heck and i might be interested in dipping a toe into it because i have not played 
a console game in years, probably since the start of COVID, was uh, Skyrim. I've heard that Skyrim is incredible and you could just, like, it never ends. You can complete yep. the main storyline and play for years based yep. off of just the side quest and picking this up and that up. And it's like, that sounds fascinating because I am an RPG type guy. Yeah, so, me too. like, I've loved RPG since Dragon Warrior back in the day. Oh, so, yeah. like, yeah, so, so hearing, hearing about that, hearing about that's cool. I'm glad that you have your game to enjoy because otherwise, Maggie, just doing work day in, day out, same thing over and over again is yeah. akin to being, I don't know, hypnotized. Nice. I see what right? you there. You yeah, brought it all around. Had, you brought it full circle. I had that. I had that transition, and but I'm going to ruin my own transition because I didn't talk about myself but very oh, quickly. Right. Very, 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 very quickly. Uh, I am doing the 75 hard challenge, and I saw a friend of mine do it. Uh, some guy, Andy Frisella, um, some special forces, something, blah blah blah, or the other. You have to go 75 straight days of two workouts a day. One of them has to be outside. Uh, read 10 pages out of a book, nonfiction. You have to drink a gallon of water a day. You have to like have a diet and stick to it. And uh, no cheat meals, no alcohol. 75 straight days. And I said, I said, what the heck? I'm going to give it a shot. And today is day uh, 22, 23. Nice. And it's not bad. It actually has been really, really freaking cool. I've enjoyed the heck out of it. So awesome. um, it, it's, it is a very slow transformation. So, mm-hmm. uh, so technically, and, and I'm, I, I have no idea what's going to come up at the end. It just seemed like something tough, seemed like a challenge, a good way to kick off a year. So I gave it a shot or am giving it a shot. I, I like That's that. Me. I'm going to do that in the spring. That's awesome. To have that yeah. kind of motivation and just like, I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. I'm not really like that all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I want to do that. Five years later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw my, my buddy Sean did it, and then his wife did it. And, and it made me, he, he made me smile with it because he's like, dude, it's like, I'm reading books. I'm actually reading books. <laughs> because so it just, because cool. it's crazy. It is crazy the amount of things, the amount of time that you don't devote to yourself. You devote it doing things, yeah. but you don't actually spend time on yourself and developing yourself. And this is forcing me to do that and i'm enjoying that i'm really enjoying it it's a process and i'm actually enjoying the process all right so with all of that happiness and brightness out of the way purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of marvel's transformers comics in order starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80 we will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and see how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So, John, Maggie, Pat, it's the car wash of doom right after this promo. Car <laughs> wash of doom. <laughs> The Transformers will return after these messages. New Warriors, come out to play!
Play, a new Warriors podcast, is streamed live in front of an internet audience. You can join in on the live stream and chat every second Tuesday of the month on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for and follow Longbox Crusade. Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 31, and here's John with the cover description. Uh, the corner box uh, still contains Grimlock, who is in his dinosaur mode, which is good. Otherwise, we would have a hard time recognizing his di- his vehicle. Dinosaur mode is way more memorable. The uh, Transformers logo is in basic white, and the more than meets the eye aspect of it is in black which offsets the solid yellow background pretty well uh filling the majority of this cover is ratbat who is at an as one as one could say a skew angle flying towards with his mouth open menacingly and looking uh a lot huger than usually you see him depicted from the perspective we're given in his talons we find buster wit whitkey being held helplessly, one arm attempting as if to hold him at bay, the other arm holding a crowbar uh, ready to tear one into Ratbat. Buster's girlfriend, Jesse, is holding onto his waist from below as if attempting to pull him away. In the background, a car. At the background, we notice that we are in the interior of a a gigantic warehouse-sized car wash. We see a yellow taxi cabish sedan being washed in the background and standard roller accoutrements. If we look really close on the pipe, we can see the last name of the person who drew this, and that would be Budiansky, as in Bob Budiansky, who also wrote uh, this issue. One of the most famous or infamous, depending on your point of view, issues in the entire series. And uh, that is that is this uh, cover. And man, it is something. There is uh, definitely a lot going on in it. Uh, I will say that this cover apparently is, or at least this issue, was the favorite of um, current Transformer artist Nick Roche, who uh, got to reimagine it in the Transformers Generation series, which reprinted a lot of old ones. This one, this issue, has enough just of the collective memory to get reprinted in that. He redid this to make it look way more like the original Star Wars uh, poster, kind of keeping this sort of thing with her as Leia, Leia holding on to his waist like this and him holding the, you know, him holding the crowbar more like a lightsaber. Uh, this is a pretty interesting cover. I I am not quite sure what I think of it yet. I hope I get to listen to you guys talk about it before I'm asked to rate it. So I'll give it back to you, Delvin. And I'm going to pass the potato to Maggie. Maggie's brand new to this, I believe. She was mm-hmm. looking forward to this eccentric issue. And it starts with a very striking cover. What do you think yeah. about it? I really like the cover. I like the action. I like the perspective. Um, I like the colors. It's 
one of the few parts of this book that has a background color, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do really like the cover a lot. I like the detail too. the car with the, the, the car wash. They're in the car wash of doom. I think it's great. Awesome. Let's go to the next least experienced person. That'd be Pat. I like this cover too. It's pretty interesting. And the detail that I find that is really interesting is in Ratbat's mouth. Just the extra gizmos and gadgets that are put in there. Mm-hmm. Fully agree. I was just noticing the same thing. It's like he's got pistons yeah. in his mouth that would open yeah. and yeah. close it. That's so cool. You can you kind of tell the mechanics that are happening within his mouth there to make his jaw open like that is yeah. really cool. I think a lot of detail also done to Buster and Jesse as well, too. The wrinkles in their clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, really good detailing on this one. I like the water dripping off the car. It has that that way that John Bushima always used to oh, have yeah, John yeah. or Stout whenever they drew the Hulk in the rain. They would always be sure dripping off him mm-hmm. like that. I, mm-hmm. I always I love water in comic books mm-hmm. the way that it's drawn. I wonder what on the license plates of the car it has an AW. That's where you get your root beer. Well, that's true. Yes, I, I want to. I want to crap on that joke, Maggie. But I was thinking the same. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm looking through the credits. I don't see anything like somebody's name or some. You know, was it the colorist the on that? But hmm. so I, I'm kind of interested now to see why the AW is there. Yeah, I wish I had an answer for you. And on that one, I don't. I'm drawing a blank. But I will talk about the cover a little bit. It is. It's a good one. It's definitely striking. Ratbat looks dangerous. He looks like he could do some harm to uh, both Buster and Jesse, even though Jesse looks about like 37 years old for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's, a, that's a repeated thing throughout the book where, and I don't know, there was just something about her look that just seemed like a little bit off and she never really looked like a teenager. Um, and that's kind of the case here. You know, I got that she was kind of doing the damsel thing. And to be honest, if you're being attacked by some big freaking mechanical bat, I think it take a lot of nerve to even have your head and your wits about you as opposed to being like, I'm being attacked by a big mechanical freaking bat. So I, I'm not blaming her for being the damsel in this situation because that would just be a crazy off the wall situation. Uh, to begin with, but I love how Ratbat is presented on the cover. And I have to correct you on one thing, John. Uh, we here at Longbox Crusade call it a rakish angle. I would be mm-hmm. remiss if I didn't say that. Um, and don't worry. Dutch. <laughs> it's just a we call it a Dutch here. It's a Dutch <laughs> angle. <laughs> yeah. Now, wait a second. Point, point of order here, though. I would argue that in this cover, Buster is the damsel. It's it's a weird kind of take on it because if you look at what's happening, it does look like she because she isn't being held by Ratbat. He is. Yeah. She's trying to pull him off from Ratbat's clutches. But she is literally in the Princess Leia form where she's oh, holding the him, torn dress, the, the, torn dress the super defined calves. But like, look I, at her legs. I think they're both doing their part. You know, it's you know whatever you could think you can do in a situation where a giant bat suddenly shows up in the middle of the car wash. I mean, we she did way better than we did when the giant bat showed up in the car wash. With us. <laughs> yeah, and she's doing swingbacks. That's what I'm saying. So, John, we only have your opinion left on the cover. Oh yes, I I agree with you. I 
I agree with you guys. Yeah, this is a, a really neat, it's a really interesting cover. I tend to really like the Bob Udiansky ones. Um, and now that I've really got a chance to look at how Ratbat is, I, I really like the the internal workings of his mouth and his fangs and the way that it, it looks like a, a cassette. Again, mm-hmm. like, oh, he's got the like windy bits. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, I, stick I like, the pen in there and rewind. I always like it when they draw laser beak or ratchet that way. Or ravage rather that way, and it works here. And and I like the stuff with the water and all of this. Yeah, pretty cool cover. Yeah, every Budiansky cover I've seen, I have liked. That dude can draw. I mean, I I would be. I'm I'm very surprised that there there has to be some Marvel comic out there that Bob drew. Right? I know he wrote, but I, did he ever do interiors? Because if he drew interiors like that. I don't know. That's just me. I think he does a great job drawing, but we're about to find out collectively what we thought about it. Because we rate stuff here at Transformers Chronicles on a scale of 1 to 10. Like the tech specs on the original toys, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, Pat being the first person to rate it. Ooh, put me on the spot here. Well, I did. I am going to set the bar Add an eight mm. and see if anybody will go higher or lower. I'm a feeling okay. that either you're going to be where I'm at or, or it might be somebody a little higher. Man, I usually have my defined numbers when it comes to the book. And I'm kind of a, a covers and the book. And I'm kind of the same way already, like wishy-washy. So I will be the first contestant in uh, the Pat is right. And I will match the eight. I think that eight uh-huh. works because yeah, man, I really love how Ratbat is drawn. Mm-hmm. I think and both the humans are doing something dynamic and it's showing what uh, the comic book is about in the background with the car wash going on. Just a really good cover and the colors complement everything. It made Ratbat stand out even more and look even more dangerous. John, what do you think? I'm going to give it a nine. Just because I keep looking inside of Ratbat's mouth and it looks really, really cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> sentences you never thought you'd, you'd hear. Yeah, right. I wound up saying a lot of those since I started doing this podcast. <laughs> so, yep, I'm. It's a nine. The more Good I stuff. inside the bat's mouth, the more I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me, though, of remember there was some. I don't know if it was in a panel. Or if it was a cover with Megatron too, when they would show his mouth, you'd see some of the inside of that as well. Yeah, yes, Megatron at first. It almost looked like a speaker or something in his mouth, right? Yeah, it did. It looked like yeah, exactly like an old style speaker. Mm-hmm. They've moved on since then, and every time after that, he has teeth for reasons. Robot teeth. Yep. Yeah, that you that changes. That energy so he can eat his robot corn on the cob that he likes to eat. You know? <laughs> That fast forward about another couple of years and you get to see Andrew Wildman's artwork and he had a different take on it for sure. Oh, yeah. But that that is, oh, that's Ghost of Christmas Future. Maggie, (laughs) what'd you rate it? I'm going to go all in and give it a 10 because I have no problems with the cover at all. I really like it for all the reasons I listed before and with the added addition of the mystery of why the car has an AW on its license plate. Because that's going to drive me nuts until I find out why that is. Yeah. And but it wouldn't be there I'm, for no reason, right? Yeah, exa- yeah. that's what makes it weird. It's like... They would just put like a scribble if they'd put anything. But no, they put distinctly A-W. And I want to know... I'm going to pull a pat here. Listeners, <laughs> if you know the answer to this question, please educate us so we can fulfill this podcast motto and mantra 
of answering the questions to the best of our abilities because we don't know. I saw AW2. I have no idea what it means. My first thought would have been Witwicky, but Buster Witwicky doesn't start with an A. And his dad's spark plug doesn't start with an A either. And well, his first name is Irving, which also doesn't start with an A. Nope. Not so even up in Oregon. So yeah. Okay. It's gonna haunt we'll me. Figure, yeah, we'll to, figure Anthony that out. Maybe. Listening. If anybody knows, he will. Yeah, Anthony would know. Oh yeah, we gotta have Anthony back on the show soon too. Yes, we do. Cool. Yeah, Anthony's awesome. I love the sense of humor, especially on that skit. But the whole time he oh, was great. Funny. Anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, with all of that out of the way, here's Pat with the credits for the issue. All right, Dylan, I'm glad you asked. The credits for this issue are Transformers number 31 that we'll be covering. Uh, its on sale date was May 19th, 1987, but its cover date was August 1987. Cover price was $1. Story was by Bob Budiansky. Pencils by Don Perlin. Inks, Jim Fern. Color. Colors go to Neil Yamtov. Letters are Rick Parker. Editor is Don Daly. And the cover credits, as we've just talked about, go to Bob Budiansky. This is all thanks to Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.net. Back to you, Delvin. Thank you, Pat. Let's get to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the The title of this issue was Buster Witwicky and the Car Wash of Doom. Okay, I didn't grow up watching movies, and I have yet to sit down and watch one Indiana Jones movie. Nope, not even that one. Stop looking at me. It won't change the truth. Anyway, just know that I understood the title was from Indiana Jones, and I wouldn't insult the movie by trying to weave a movie I know Jack Diddley about into this synopsis. You're welcome. Ratbat's big plan has been unleashed. Get a brainwashed Jimmy Blackrock to open up a franchise of car washes designed to brainwash its customers into driving to a separate location where they would dump their fuel into Decepticon repositories. Unfortunately for the Decepticons, they chose the Pacific Northwest, specifically Oregon region, home of Buster frickin' Witwicky and Sparkplug and Jesse and O. Yes! Wait, no O? Oh. My bad. Buster ends up foiling the plan thanks to some quick thinking, toughness, and the fact that the Decepticons decided that probably the most successful fuel consumption operations they've ever concocted was defended by two of Soundwave's tapes. L-O-L. Let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the comics, starting with, but not limited to, goods and bads, and everyone discusses. Maggie, you couldn't wait for this issue. Yeah. You, you go first. Okay, cool. Uh, oh, boy. To narrow it down to just one small thing at first. Um, so it took me by surprise, the issue did. Um, but 
Okay, so I'm going to start with a question. On the title page, which is also great with all the action, there's an explosion and all the guys on the oil rig are running around and the guy hopping over the railing is particularly cool. Um, but the the Insecticons, right, are in the foreground, but yes. they're very small. Yes, they're always very small. I thought the Insecticons were like... In the cartoons, yes, but in this, they're very small. They're yeah. all very small. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look size. I wasn't sure if I was losing my mind or if there was just a continuity thing that I was missing. That's well, then there's a size thing too, right? They're small insects, so you know, it's insecticons, but then right. they can grow to normal robot size. How? I don't know. Possibly PIM particles that they just never <laughs> talked about. That could be. Not sure. All right. That's fair. It's I was just Cybertronian okay. wizardry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. It's just like how Soundwave can fold down a bunch to become a little tiny tape deck. They're able yes. to do it even more. Okay, I see. Yes. Gotcha. Or so that, in mega, mode, that Megatron <laughs> transforms into a gun that a human could hold. Mm-hmm. And when it's not out flying. <laughs> yep. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> All right, that's it. I just I wanted to start off with that question. I'm good. Okay. Let's go to Pat. I'm well, very interested in the newcomers on this one. Very. You know, like Mangy, I was set back on this one because I'm like, okay, it's a one-off. Or is it or not? You know, it's it's hard to say whether it is or it isn't. And so I'm like, okay, oh, look, Buster's back. All right, well, this should be a good one. But I really like the title sequence and the play on Temple of Doom that they have going on here. But it did draw me in because what's really in here is a story of rat bat and his mm-hmm. plan that he's been unfolding and working on here yeah that it's all coming together which is kind of a, a cool way that you know it's like hey this rat you know he's working his way up to the top he's got this pyramid scheme that he's been doing and he's, he's like pretty cool and then i didn't understand how he was doing it but then once you learn it's like oh okay, he's hypnotizing these people to go and do this. It's interesting and silly, but fun. Yeah. Crazy idea. But, and it's like, okay, I can see that happening. I okay. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, it's silly and it's fun. It's a great yeah. villain plan is in my opinion. Anyhow, I think it's evil car washes that hypnotize. It, absolutely. It absolutely. Is 1980s cartoon, right? Oh, sure. God, yeah. Oh, sure. this, yeah. 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 I actually had never uh, read this one before oh. doing this either. Cool. I had oh. never on this. I thought I had, but I realized how, through it, I'm mistaking it for the next one with the used cars. Mm-hmm. There's, I was mistaking it from that one. Uh, I had never read this one. I sure have heard a lot about it over the years. This back on in the dark days before the World Wide Web, there were message boards. Then people would talk about the Transformers and the Transformers comic books there. And that's where we all learned a terrible way that we communicate online yeah. still to this day. But this issue is was uh, hugely maligned. I mean, to the point that Bob Budiansky would jokingly brings it up to this day in convention appearances about how strange the fandom is to him. My question was, um, you wrote a lot of stories that have like really wacky things in them, like mechanicals and like a, the carnival in space. Did you have like a favorite really just wacky thing you put into some of your comic books? <laughs> um, wacky, my, 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 my wacky scale. Um, what was my top of my wacky scale? I mean, I, I guess, you know, in reading fan comments over the years, 
The story that stands out as my most, most notorious wacky setting was the, the car wash of doom. That seems to have gotten a lot, of, a lot of reaction over the years, at least in the early days of the internet. Um, but I was just having fun. So, next. So I was reading it, and I know I, I wasn't going to judge Bob badly if it was bad and all this. Everybody has an off one in this stuff. And I read this, and I absolutely love this issue. I love this issue from beginning to end. This, this uh, plan is like Cobra Commander from the cartoon level gollywhackers, and I am absolutely <laughs> for it. If you like, look at it, it doesn't make any sense, especially in, the, in terms of the third of a three-part issue plan. But on the other hand, like Pat was said, it really you you can no prize it into working. It's like very cause, easily because in three issues he went from thinking from not realizing water existed to re to finding a planet full of it and going well whatever my plan is it's got to involve that stuff. <laughs> but I think pretty much he must have when he mind controlled GB. I believe that basically this was GB's plan. This was going to be GB's next business plan, you know, minus the mind control and stealing of gasoline, I think. And so when he brings, so Ratbat has Astrotrain hypnotize him, bring him to him, says, what do you got? And incorporates this into his, his plan. And it was working the, the whole thing, stealing Earth's resource as a pyramid scheme, three quarters of a gas tank at a time. I mean, brilliant. Yep. Uh, to mimic my good friend, Jared, try not to think of it as a pyramid scheme and more like a Cybertronian triangle. Oh, okay. Let's get back to Pat. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Pat, what, what do you have? What, what's your next round of your high-low or whatevers? Uh, we'll go with the artwork. I really thought the inside art, Looked decent enough to tell the story and what was going on, especially the rat bat parts. Really well drawn. Makes you feel the, just the menacing presence of him, especially when he is, you know, in the car wash attacking Buster. And I can see that, you know, I can see like this bat just coming in there. And we've all been scared of a bat. You walk down in, you know, an area and all of a sudden you see a bat flying around and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody stands up to a bat. No. Until you okay. until you once you figure it out, it's like, oh, what's that? Oh, okay. Then you start to, to go, okay, I can think I can take this thing and just, you know, help get it out of the house again. But yeah, yeah we, I, I I really enjoyed the artwork in here. We have heard of John and Maggie's harrowing tale of getting a, a bat out of the house. Yes. Uh, we just had to relive it right now, flash oof. before our eyes. Shudder. Mm. I would see, I'm gonna add something uh just a small bit of dissent. One second. And that dissent would be I just noticed upon my second reading uh, that Don Perlin is credited with breakdowns and Jim Fern, who has not been on the book so far, has been was credited with finishes. And we had that issue in recent, excuse me, we've had that come up in recent issues of Amazing Spider-Man, where Keith Pollard a lot of times gets credit for the breakdowns and then or the layouts, and then someone else comes in with the finishes. And that's doesn't that just mean he's inking, though? Not necessarily. Okay. Could mean that Don Perlin, in this case, had you know basic framework and just needed someone to help mm -hmm. him complete the artwork and the ink. Mm -hmm. it's, it makes it a little bit muddier. Like penciling, like the person laid down all the pencils, and then someone came lay down the inks and then the colors, blah, blah, blah. When it comes to breakdowns and layouts or breakdowns and finishes, it's a little bit more muddy. 
And I wasn't necessarily the craziest about the art team myself. No. Um, but it just, there's something like, there's some pages that were okay, but I, like Don Perlin, like last issue, for instance, right. Man, I just, I mean, there's been some issues where Don Perlin has just dropped some beauties when it comes to artwork. I like his artwork a lot. Yeah. It is simple and good and demonstrative. And he's gotten his handle on the robots too. This teamwork with Perlin and Fern, I wasn't the craziest of I agree with you. I did not like this art at all, especially the humans. I thought were very stiff. There's a number of times when they're supposed they're shown, you know, supposedly in motion, and it looks like they're posing or they're mannequins. I there are parts of it I did like, as like Pat was saying, the stuff in in the car wash. And here's something that you're probably not going to hear me say too many more times. So everybody uh, buckle up, but. I really liked Nell Yamtov's coloring for the scenes inside the car wash. <laughs> All right. Okay. While someone revives Delvin, I'll elaborate. No, it, it really it sold me on that whole situation being, you know, all all messed up and, and screwed up and kind of half alien and weird and, and gave the appearance of different lights. It really helped all of that make it into a scarier experience. And I thought it was very effective for the rest of the book. He could have been bothered to draw a background or to paint a background half the time. Yeah. Something about, and something about that. Of course, you know that a book is kind of being rushed when mm -hmm. you start seeing page after page of lack of background, like even the very first page, where they're on the ocean and they, they they did bother to draw a little bit of the ocean but come on you can even draw a blue sky there and a cloud yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe a sun perhaps so um but pat liked the pat liked the art i was eh on it john was eh on it maggie what do you think uh i you know art is kind of a secondary thing for me because i really like the story I find myself mm -hmm. having to go back and look at panels because I forget to actually look at the art as I'm reading. But I will say that when I got to the the, the first bit inside the car wash where it's Buster and Jesse, I thought that was really cool. Uh, and the heavy metal music that plays inside the car wash. Uh, and then in the, the fight at towards the end of the book where Ratbat crashes through the car, that is a deep-seated fear that I've had since I was a child of like one of the arms with the bristles on it inside the car wash, breaking through the window and stealing my little stuffed bear. Mm. And that's kind of always stuck with me. I, I, I don't mind the car wash, especially when you get the one with all the pretty colored soap, but <laughs> I get a little anxious. I'm like, okay, it's real small. If something goes wrong, you don't have a lot of places to run. Like, <laughs> What am I going to do? So it, it, it kind of triggered that in my head a little bit. But in, in a good way, though, I, I really, it kind of made me chuckle at myself. This giant bat shoving its head in its car. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's a, my nightmare come true. Mm -hmm. so yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. The art didn't really bother me. It didn't really do too much for me. I did notice the lack of skies, and that was kind of obnoxious. So it's just blue. Like okay. I could help I, other. Blue. I feel like we've talked, we talked a little bit. It almost feels like we're dancing. And like in this case, I, I, I definitely want to get to like some main meat of the story. Like, what did you think about the storyline overall? And that's definitely worth another round of conversation because it's been such an eclectic book. And I know that John mentioned just flat out that he loved it, which is and 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 isn't that always a great thing where you you're expecting the worst and then you read it and it's like 
No, I don't. I don't know what people were so on about, like being so mad. But you know how it is sometimes, especially online. Sometimes mm -hmm. someone says one thing, and then someone else wants to be cool, and then everyone just starts stacking up that opinion, like, "Oh my God, yeah. this was the worst book ever." So I'll stop my editorial and I will take it back to Pat. Pat, what do you think about what? What did you think about the book overall? And by all means, empty those notes. Tell me anything that you think. Oh, well, like I said before. I think it was a decent story. And when you look at it in the bigger grand scheme of it all, you know, this thing was being planted three, two issues ago. Right. And into the yeah. last issue of what that package was that got here. And so now you see what rat bat was kind of thinking of, of, of his plan and how it just grew over the last three issues. I thought that was really cool. And you can see that character being built up to somebody who's really smart plans things and, and works to see it through because he was even putting down shockwave mm -hmm. it's like no you you know you just got an empty tanker what's going on here blah 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 all this stuff going on i'm like this is really cool and then you bring back buster in a way that we haven't seen in in a long time so it was kind of neat to see buster and his dad back together again i don't know if they're going to stay around if they're, they're in other issues now, are they bringing them back for a while? We'll see. We will see. I will yep, stick a pin in that. We will yeah. see. You know, and just to see his still relationship with Jesse coming together. And, you know, obviously he's been a busy guy and can't see the forest for the trees. You know, hey, you got somebody that wants to be with you. Stop working. <laughs> Go back through he that car wash work. again. <laughs> he, he had to work, but maybe he needed to. Split his time up between working and make a little bit of time uh, for a girl who clearly is enamored with him. <laughs> to see GB get kind of taken over real quick like that, I was like, mm -hmm. that was a maybe that was a one thing that kind of took me for a loop on that one. But I mean, you can't question the power of the stroboscopic opticon. That's a fun, I'm, those are two fun words to say, by the way. Like, you should try it. I mean, there's I just a know, lot. I think there's an age limit. I think anybody over the age of 45 or 50, there's something you probably need to get done. <laughs> Please consult your doctor if you have problems with the stroboscopic opticon. John, um, have you gotten your stroboscopic opticon check? Uh, I, I'm waiting for my insurance company to get back to me as to whether ah, or not the COVID mm. covers it. But they are uh, the worst. But what I love about Ratbat um, is that he's a Bob Budi. If we ever get to talk to Bob Budiansky, I'm going to ask him which bureaucrat it was that he interacted with who inspired Ratbat because he's great. He's a bully who doesn't have you know, that much physical prowess against regular Transformers. And he comes into your situation, like, I'm sure we've all had this happen in various degrees in our life. I'm sure this happens in the military. It happens in business and food service, especially. It's the guy from corporate or the guy from afar who shows up out of nowhere and due to some sort of bizarre structure of how the command structure works it's unclear about where they sit and so nobody can say anything but they're just mm -hmm. wielding their position like a suit of armor and making all of these demands and doing anything and you're like uh and shock even shockwave who has 
12 plans before breakfast is completely stymied because basically of the ultimate um, failure of his plan, which is, of course, I'm surrounded by idiots who can't figure out the difference between a full tank and an empty tank. Yeah. but well, it's great. He shows up and does this, but I I love it's just the bully aspect was what kept coming back to me on it because the moment he's dealing with people smaller than himself, he's like, you know, using them in ways that he can lord over them. Mm-hmm. The interesting yeah. thing, the very and I, I want to point this out. If you know I wanted to start a podcast called Shockwave was right. Shockwave's <laughs> right a decent amount. Like sometimes like his plans get derailed by crazy things, and of course. Like he is a man of the probability, and he told Ratbat, he said, "Don't deal with humans. You can't. You, they're yeah. they're too anomalous. You can't trust them." And Ratbat was like, "Oh, contraire! I already am. Yeah. I'm a rat. I'm flying around. I used to be a tape. Yeah. See, and and I'm gonna and bring another sure tape enough, with me, right? <laughs> and together, sure Shockwave was right on that part of it. Mm-hmm. But Maggie, go ahead. You have important things to say. Oh." I don't know about that. I, but, mm-hmm. um, Ratbat kind of reminds me. I was just thinking of the the food inspector in Bob's Burgers, just or any Hugo, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like or, or any HR lady who clearly doesn't get to exert enough power in her personal life, so exerts every ounce of it she can on the people at work. Every HR person I've ever worked with. I per, one of the things that that stood out for me in this book was Buster, because at the beginning of the story. He's like, my dad had a heart attack, and now I have to spend all my time helping him at the car wash and the gas station, and my life sucks. And I was like, quit whining. Your dad's alive. But he did point out that he did um, say the thing about like not hanging out with the Autobots anymore because it's bad for his dad's health. I was like, well, that's kind of sweet. Also bad for his, frankly. I mean, they're always putting chips and things <laughs> in his head. High chance of death yep. when hanging out with Autobots. But then like by the end of it, he was going hardcore. He was ready to throw down with Ratbat, just mano a mano with a crowbar, you know? And I had a lot of respect for him. He kept fighting against Ratbat. All those times that he hung out with the Autobots, he was picking up on skills and things. Um, and I also, as an added bonus, I thought it was really cool that Jesse in the end is the one that comes in and saves him by yeah. running into Ratbat with her car. Although it's a little odd that his choice was not to get in the car, but rather that to climb on top of the car. Yes. I thought that was kind of an odd choice. Yeah, like, yeah I'm like, why didn't he get in? But he's like, you know, he's got that hero, or I don't want to say hero pose, but he's got, I'm going to ride the hood of this. <laughs> yeah. It's to, to use. To get in, and then he's on top of the car. <laughs> and I'm like, do you have brain damage? <laughs> yes. To, you, to use kid slang, he was on one. That's, yeah. that's what was going on. <laughs> I mean, he had just gone through the car wash. He almost had his brain scrambled. He just fell off a mechanical bat. (laughs) (laughs) Why not ride on the top of a car? You're rolling all 7s and 11s at that point. Maybe he just saw Teen Wolf the day before. (laughs) I'm going to try that. Man. He does, um, he does, however, get, I think, the best line in the book, which is this doesn't just clean cars at or doesn't just wash cars, it washes brains. Washes brains. And I was like, that's that's a good line, Buster. That's funny. Rat that bats, Rat bats a couple got a couple of great one great lines of his um sticking it to shockwave. Shockwave's about trying to, oh yeah, look at this. I got it. What turns out to be an empty he's where he bites the thing and he's like, I've tasted a lot of um Where was what was the plan there? If it had been full of oil, 
yeah. would have just wasted a bunch of it because he punctured the pipe with his teeth. That's how he tests it. That's what mm. he does. It's on his... We're, Wasteful. We, we're going to find out a bit later. About his... What are they called? Mecha fangs? Yeah. His mecha yes. fangs? Mecha fangs. But anyhow, Sorry. my point being... Buster's arc in the story I thought was actually pretty cool. I yeah. kind of started off being annoyed by him, but by the end of it, I actually had a great deal of respect for That's him. It's a microcosm of Buster himself. Yes. You know, constantly. Wasn't he the kid that got his brain scrambled by the Optimus? Yes. Whammy? Absolutely. Maybe he does give, have brain damage. You got to give Buster credit. That That's a kid of action. He is it not is. afraid to leap in and defend what he feels is right. And I think that's an admirable quality. He saw that his dad was the first in line to be brainwashed. He's like, I have to do yep. something. And he didn't even know what. It's just like, but whatever I do, I got to save my dad or at least try. And I gave, mm -hmm. I gave him a ton of credit for that. And he was kind of like the reluctant hero a little bit when he, he said the line about not hanging out with the Autobots anymore. Um, you know, he doesn't really want to get involved. He's trying to just kind of live his life got his girlfriend he's got the car wash with his dad um but yeah then he sees his dad in line to get gas siphoned and he immediately is like nope all right well i gotta get back to it then and i'm mm -hmm. gonna have to do something about it and he does without the aid of any autobots like no That's one shows right. up to help him bumblebee's not there there's, optimus there's is, no autobots in this there's whole, no autobots at all it's one of i think two issues that I mean, there are no autobots ratbat gets taken out by it's not a station wagon but some kind of sedan looking thing 1980s car generic 1980s car you know the humans take care of the problem all by themselves and i think that's kind of cool nice yeah. now i feel that we have covered a lot more of the issue and everything mm -hmm. but i could be remiss uh, are there any last minute details that somebody wants to bring up pat we hadn't heard from you in a minute no i think we pretty much covered it okay i agree with you but never know what else is going to come up john maggie y'all have anything else i got a couple of quick things uh this also is the only issue in which gb blackrock and buster um interact in any way they're they're probably two of the biggest human creations, you know, of, of the series. And so that's kind of interesting. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that hadn't occurred to me. Yeah, it's interesting. I had written down that it's nice to see Buster and Jesse's relationship progress from the making out at the drive-in stage in issue one to the making out in, in the, the car, car wash <laughs> stage in this. There's a lot it shows that their uh, relationship is is reaching the next level. The car wash level. That's true. Um, yeah. I did have to mention also just the one bit that I thought was funny. It's where GB stands up in front of all the other hypnotized people and explains Ratbat's entire plan while Ratbat <laughs> looks on. Really weird. And I just expected all of the people to chorus back. We know we are also <laughs> hypnotized, <laughs> but, but it was still it was a great way to tell us what the plan was. But it was, it was still it's like. I thought that was really funny. I thought it, like everything the light touches will be mine. Uh, not yours, mine. Yep. I thought it was kind of funny though. Yeah, him making the big. You have followed. He says something too, like you followed Ratbat's instructions through, through me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, was GP, fun. whatever. It was. Fun. But other than that, no. I thought it was a very fun issue. I don't think it was bad. I think it was a little. I think it was zany, and I don't think there's anything wrong with occasionally having a zany episode or I, uh, issue. I just think, as an adult, I'm I'm actually just much more akin to these sort of things. As a kid, I would have hated this. 
for mm. so many ways just because I would have it because it wasn't what I thought I wanted in a comic book. I thought if I had my way as a 12 year old when I would have been reading this, I want Optimus Prime and an army of Autobots fighting against Megatron and an army of Decepticons in every issue is what I thought I wanted. That would be boring as hell, probably. Mm -hmm. But I didn't as a kid, I was probably getting I would have been getting a little uh impatient with the amount of humans versus transformers ones that we were seeing that wasn't wouldn't have been up my alley these days mm -hmm. I, I like it and even if even if i was still sick of it that's not this issue's fault so i don't think i would have held i don't think it's fair to hold it in disdain which a lot of folks who are just kind of upset about this whole storyline they kind of leap it onto this issue which is it's i think it's unfair to this one i think this one this is a pretty good one and i'll i'll end it all and say, I do agree with that, John. And if I'm looking at the series as a whole, and if I ask myself the question, what's the point of issue 31 of the Transformers? Well, brought back Buster, Witwicky, and we were reintroduced to the Witwicky family. And seems to be for a reason. Uh, is it a one-off? Pat, I'm going to tell you right now the answer is no. It's not a one-off. We're going to see more of the Witwicky family. And it seemed like a good time to bring back uh, the Witwicky. So we got an introduction to them. And they even mentioned, of course, that the um, that the Witwicky family was very prevalent in issues 1 through 12 of the series. So it's almost like, hey, don't forget, Witwickys were important to the Transformers and still might be. So there's that. There is the Ratbat portion of it to where now Ratbat, is he the leader of the Decepticons? Not really, but he certainly has a position on the Decepticons where he can come in and tell Shockwave what it is that's going to be done. And even Shockwave's like, all right, then that seems sound enough. We're going to listen to see if your way works since my guys brought back an empty oil tanker. Let's mm -hmm. see if this brings a little bit more Fuel to the fire, so to speak. So you got that. You got the Witwickies introduced. You got Ratbat and his plan going on. And you still got the Decepticons going for oil. So it's not like this whole issue veered so crazily off course to deserve all the scorn and derision that happened on fan pages. But they are fan pages, and we understand that you know fan is short for fanatic and all sorts of things like that happen. And that's, of course, why we aren't doing this podcast as a bunch of 10 or 11-year-olds. We're doing it in our mostly, with the exception of Maggie, 40s. So there is that. Man, I, really, I, I did not mean to end on these good points like I've been doing. I feel like I've ended on a lot of good points this episode. I'm, I'm, I'm wasting them all. Like next, next issue or next episode, I'm not going to have any good points whatsoever. talk about which character in the book stood out the most autobot decepticon or human <laughs> we got some choices y'all like I, I think that we could say like a lot of characters stood out in the book but john start us off tell us who you think had the touch yes you are correct there are a lot of candidates that you could pick for a lot of reasons i was almost really going to go with Ratbat. 
on this because ultimately he does get, you know, defeated and by a human. But let's face it, Buster is the Rick Jones of 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 the Transformers universe in terms of how capable he is by this point. You know, just by hanging out with the superheroes or the Autobots enough, he's just become that much better. So, you know, if you're a little little robot, losing to Buster isn't, you know, it's not something to be that embarrassed by. But ultimately, I'm going to have to give it to Buster for the same reasons. <laughs> he mm-hmm. just never gave up. You know, even though at first it looked like, oh, my God, are we just rehashing the storyline? We already went through it where Buster got over this. But it was just the moment he realized that his friends were in trouble, he did not look back and he worked really hard to try to, and then ultimately was able to save them and defeat the bad guy and come up with a plan and execute that plan. And that sounds like someone who is deserving of the touch. So for me, it's yours, Buster. Fantastic. Let's go to your greater half, Maggie. Who do you think had to touch? Yeah, I was pretty close to giving it to Buster too, actually, just because like I'd mentioned, I, I really liked his arc throughout the story, but I think I'm actually going to give it to Jesse because ultimately she's the one that won in the end. Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say too. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of the hero of the piece. Buster did all the fighting, but she really got the, she got the kill and blow and, and was the one that drove Ratbat off with Laserbeak. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it to Jesse. Well, I'll take your Jesse and I'll move it before her coming in and crashing in the car. If it wasn't for her ways, Buster wouldn't have would have gotten hypnotized. Mm. But because That's right. Her kiss she, held yeah. more held more sway than a stroboscopic opticon. I'm gonna yeah. fit that in as many times as I can <laughs> before this episode's done. <laughs> so it was because of her that he never didn't get hypnotized. Yeah. So, That's a good point. So what you're saying is because her kiss was on on his And it turned on the lights. I don't really know how that song goes, but I know that part of it. <laughs> but it fits what happened here. Fit, so that one line. The 1980s in the 80s lyrics were a means to an end. Wait, so Pat, who who has the touch for you then? Jesse. Oh, but, it is Jesse. Okay. Well, but then. for for her beginning part of it, ah, otherwise yeah. Buster wouldn't have been able to do what he did. It's true. Awesome. She really is. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with someone completely off panel. I'm going with Ratbat's intelligence team. No kidding. <laughs> I was saying that before. Who in the world decided yeah, I'm going to come up with this cargo and it's going to transform into this car wash and it's going to brainwash humans because they like this rock and roll music? <laughs> what? <laughs> How? Who knew that? <laughs> when, I mean, who did he get this intel from? Whoever hooked him up with this intel like was fantastic. I want to know who's on the Decepticon intelligence team because whoever that is deserves absolute kudos. I don't know if it's Soundwave. I don't know if it's Ravage. Somebody was just sitting there absorbing human culture and he came up with this idea, but it turned out to be one of the more successful Decepticon ideas to strip oil or strip the resources from the planet. So Ratbat's intel team. That's, to me, who had the touch. Yes. I was saying something similar to that earlier today about how Ratbat at least factored humans into his plan to a degree that we've never seen either the Autobots or Decepticons do before. That he ultimately was offended by one, but he's he seems to be a little sharper even as opposed to dealing with this culture than the ones we've seen before. Yeah, and I would love to know how he knew that because he was sitting perched upside down 
in uh, the Decepticon Fortress uh, back on Cybertron. I would be very interested to see how he figured that out. But I am just a broken machine and I do things that don't really mean. If we have talked about the touch, then someone had to be out of touch. We talked about the character that was the worst in the book and they should hijack a completely empty oil tanker in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. Pat, who do you think was Less Than Meets the Eye? Well, I think you gave it away right there <laughs> with that plan of hijacking an empty oil tanker. It was definitely shockwave. You know, even though he's calculated and figured it all out, is there is just nothing in that it, in that Happy Meal that he was trying to bring home. Whereas <laughs> John's mom says that dog don't hunt. <laughs> that dog don't hunt. That's a Southernism right there, Maggie. Yeah. Who's less than meets the eye? Honestly, I I was going to come at this and say I don't really have one. I honestly don't have one. Everyone was pretty good in this. Shockwave is the best option because he gets shown up by Ratbat and then just pieces out for the rest of the issue. So Shockwave kind of has to be my choice. I Everybody else was kind of great and served their purposes, fulfilled their roles, did what yeah. they were supposed to do throughout the story. Um, you know, and I mean, rap bad, I guess, because in the end he got defeated. I, I don't well, know. I yeah, didn't really have one for this it one. Is tough. I kind of liked it's all tough. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to find like a weak link in the story. It was when I'm just like, but. Everyone did such a good job. (laughs) (laughs) I think none of the above can be an option, but I am going to give less than me CI to rap that because I hinted at that at the end of my synopsis. It's like, okay, you've got this whole thing where you're siphoning fuel bit by bit by bit. It's a patient scheme that's going to net you a lot because it it was netting enough fuel to the point that if you remember that uh, newspaper article at the start of the story, there was a fuel shortage that was starting to occur because mm-hmm. of the amount of people this car wash was affecting. You wouldn't have more than one Decepticon guarding this. You had Laserbeak, who is possibly the physically weakest Decepticon <laughs> next to, oh, I don't know, Ratbat. Come on, man. I mean, what the rest of the Decepticons are just sitting there on the base doing jack squat. Yeah. You could have had them. I mean, all it would have taken is, I don't know, the Combaticons. And then you would have had Buster up there throwing like pipe wrenches and all this and everything. And then or the Combaticons like, would have been like, yeah, uh, you're, st- yeah, you're know, coming or- out of this fuel or we're going to just turn you into smelt now. <laughs> it was too important of a plan. Maybe it was so, like, the humans are turning against us. Quick, laser beak, turn into your alternate mode and use your weapons against uh, I got news for you, boss. Wait, you're a tape too? <laughs> what? <laughs> you're a tape too? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's my lesson, VCI. John, who do you have? I am going to give it to Bombshell, just as, you know, being part of the team who messed it up. But here's the poor guy. There's a massive um, plan that's going on that's involving mind control that's being executed perfectly. And here's poor Bombshell, the mind control guy who is stuck over on a thing, you know, who's just has to mind control one dude so he can take the empty happy, happy meal home. So poor, poor Bombshell, just by nature of it having to be somebody 
It's got to be him today. So let's see, see Bombshell probably was like, dude, I, I could do this, you know, just like retrofit me with a bunch of cerebral shells and I'll plan at the end and rap out. It's like, you know, you, you, you don't get it. Stroboscopic Opticon. <laughs> he goes, yeah, no, I heard it the first eight times. Yeah, but have you said it out loud? <laughs> Stroboscopic Opticon. Cerebro shells. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm, like I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. One of those is just simply funner to say. So that's, that's, yes. I, You are not wrong. That is. That is <laughs> that's just the end of it, I'm afraid. Fact. Oh, yeah. We should probably rate the book, right? Well, we should do that. I'm interested. I have no idea where this is going to land, but we still have to do it. One to ten on how we felt about the issue. Let's start with John. John, since I didn't know, I thought that you had read this before. It was a case of mistaken identity. So you were first time to the book. I was the only one who had remembered reading this book from uh, their childhood. So I'm interested to see. What are you going to rate it? I'm going to give it a nine. <laughs> I enjoyed this for beginning to end, it gets a little bit of a drop because of some aspects of the art. So I couldn't give it a 10 with a, with a good conscience as it were. So, but it's a nine, it's a solid nine. It's, it, it was a fun issue and I loved it. Nice. Pat. I'm sticking with my eight as I did with the cover too. I think it was a decent enough story. It got me through all the way through the end. I like this story less than I did the Scraplet story leading up to it. I thought the Scraplet one was um, was better. So, but I didn't think this one was bad because I was sitting there weighing in my head. I'm like, was this a good plan by Ratbat and the Decepticons? And the answer was, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was because it wasn't this blow up this big base and make all this noise and make people necessarily hate the Decepticons. It was a very subtle one where humans were actually giving them their fuel and they didn't even realize that they were doing it, allowing them to hide in plain sight. So I thought that was a very good plan and backed by pretty good action in the book. So a very tightly wound storyline, and which Bob is very good for doing. It gets an eight from me. And we will close it out with Maggie. <sighs> I'm so torn. I'm torn between an eight and a nine. Because I can see the arguments for both. Uh, I'm gonna go with an eight. Sorry. Oh, there we go. I was gonna say we we keep, we don't do halvesies here. Like if no, I no, no, do no. halvesies, go I, would, I would get a scolding from the lads. So <laughs> half a point. Be, Who does that? I well, Joe November. He's only that. one, but no one else. That's it. Right. <laughs> yes. All right. We got eights. We got nines. Seems like we have a good story. That concludes the car wash of doom, y'all. <laughs> But it doesn't conclude this episode because John hasn't done Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer that was featured in today's issue. We are doing Ratbat. A Ratbat's motto is, the road is my dinner plate. He has no friends, only business partners. His only allegiance is to himself. Refuels by plunging his mecha fangs into new car's gas lines. The better made the car, the better the gasoline tastes. Maximum flying speed, 65 miles per hour. So he probably doesn't get too many of those better made cars once he gets them when they're parked. It's like, oh no, it's Ratbat. We'll have to, quick, speed up a little. 
uh, carries two radar-guided free electron lasers that detect the presence of an object as small as a fly. Wings contain mechanical sensors for locating fuel sources. Has one-foot wingspan that can enlarge to 10 feet. That's interesting. Uh, wings are vulnerable. Uh, wings are vulnerable to artillery. His strength is three. His intelligence is nine. His speed is four. His endurance is three. His rank is six. His courage is seven. His firepower is two, and his skill is eight. Uh, his skill is nine. Sorry. Uh, Ratbat was sold as part of a two-pack, uh, which also included Frenzy. Uh, this was in the third year of the Transformers toys release. Uh, it, re- it replaced the previous two-pack that had Frenzy and Laserbeak in it. So it's kind of funny that today fe- today's comic featured the two uh, robots that came with Frenzy, basically. Uh, he was all plastic and scaled the rest of the mini cassette and Transformers and could fit inside of Soundwave. Uh, the toy had an impressive amount of detail for its size, and it had little tiny little ears which moved up and down. Uh, they were fragile as hell, and it was hard to find a toy with them intact these days. Uh, it also, like the best of the or the rest of the cassettes that came with a set of two missiles, Rat Bats being alternately gold or silver depending on the toy. Uh, now, Rat Bat features very prominently in Budiansky's run on the Marvel book, so get used to him. Now, in the Dreamwave comics, he was only used in passing just as one of Soundwave's tapes, which is how he was used in the movie and the cartoon. Uh, He was used a little more so, I guess, in the Headmasters cartoon, but I don't know much about that one. In the IDW Phase 1 comics, whoever, the people that write it definitely um, look back at this era fondly, because Ratbat is used a lot and has a level of importance in the Decepticon hierarchy that he he has the same level he does in this one. Uh, Once it gets to Phase 2, though, he's there. um, He's scheming in the first few issues of Robots in Disguise, but then is killed off rather horribly by RC and never seen again. And that is Ratbat, everyone. And that is time for a podcast break, which we'll get to now. The Transformers will return after these messages. You are receiving a transmission from The Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com, at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. We now return to the Transformers.
Now it's time for Transmissions, where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us, and we semi-occasionally get to. (laughs) Obviously, thank you to everyone for your love and attention, your support, all of that. We are going to go through the comments and the like, shares, and retweets from Transformers Issue 28, which, of course, we discussed on Transformers Chronicles 28. We'll start off with Aaron Head Moss. And Helica Fetty Wolf. Austin Kuykendall. Bob McCrell. CB Dave. Charlton Hero. Chris. At BTO B- and Batbug. I was going to say, you can't just stop at that. All right, now, I'm sorry, it's just contractually obligated. There are things that we have to do for the podcast. You ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) Clinton Robinson. Coffee and comics. Comic reflections. Days of High Adventure podcast. My brother, Delvin Cox. Derek William Crabb. Band Film Fridays podcast. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Minge. Gianfranco Guarinoni. Glenn Peterson. Or wait, Glenn Peterman. (laughs) (laughs) Jared Albrecht. Ken Solo. Manuel Kenyette Mendoza. Max Traver. Philip O. Professor Frenzy. It's a show. (laughs) Rick Heineken. Steve B. Robinson. TFU.info. The Hammer Strikes! And Random Geeky Stuff. The Manic Pixie Weirdo Podcast. That's a great name for the po- for a podcast. I'm going to go listen to them right after we're done here. Oh, Bernard <laughs> Jeffries. Wait. Hmm? Bernard Jeffries Whack Whack Artwork. No, it's just what? Bernard Jeffries. Bernard Jeffries. <laughs> <laughs> His name was Robert Paulson. Oh. Whack at Whack Artwork. We see the world in Bende Dots. Nice. And Zachary Carter. Okay, we have a couple of tweets as well and a Facebook comment. So, John, go ahead and start us off. Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, uh, chimed in to say that any show that features Delvin is worth a listen. I see no lies there. And I'm just going to add that I said, well, wait, there are two Delvins. You're talking about us both, right? And I'm picturing that meme, <laughs> the, the Star Wars meme, where I'm like, you're talking about us both, oh, right? And then right? Jared would just be staring. I'm like, right? Uh, right? <laughs> oh, he did answer. <laughs> oh, oh, go ahead. What was the, what was the answer, Maggie? I can't. My, my young eyes who saw Star Wars once in the theater can't quite read here. That was about Maggie, me, though. can you read it? Oh, you can read it. That's yeah, about you. The, yeah, but... That's why I was trying to yank it out of your hand because I knew you couldn't see it. Uh, yeah. So Jared responds, uh, responds with my favorite part of this episode by far, all capital letters. Thank you very much. Was taking the emotional journey with Maggie going from sad that she wasn't part of the fictional cop show pitch to rejecting every offered part with tremendous disdain. Sounds like me. <laughs> it's a lot like it is, you know, like when we're choosing a restaurant or trying to figure out what movie we want to watch see this and other things in my new book things john likes to bring up when he feels like sleeping on the couch at night (laughs) well this is the merry part of this is the nitty gritty part of it folks pat close us out all right i'll take one from herbert fung and uh, he says so in regards to gold bugs head shape change it's the actual look of bumblebee's g1 toy 
the animation and the comic book used an entirely different character model whose face didn't look anything like the toy of the time. But yeah, the rest of Goldbug's figure wasn't all that great of a bot mode, but his VW bug mode looked more accurate than the original Bumblebee toy. So a little more information. I wanted to take this time to just thank Herbert. Herbert's reached out to me a couple of times too, either with like a really cool picture or just like more commentary about Transformers. And he normally has made comments as well on Transformers comic, excuse me, Transformers Chronicles on the Facebook page. And it's really appreciated. I'm glad that we're giving you something that you can be enthusiastic about. Really do appreciate that feedback. Yeah, I was interested in uh, additional detail in that. So maybe he, maybe Always. Herbert might know what AW is. I was just thinking the same thing, Pat. I was like, mm-hmm. wait, if he knows this about Goldbug, maybe he knows the mystery to AW. We'll find out. We will find out. And if we happen to miss a few comments, we do apologize. It's certainly a good problem to have, but we absolutely do not want to forget to recognize anyone. So ping us. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just look for Longbox Crusade, and we will correct it in the next issue. <laughs> And that's the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 32, where we get the return of Blaster and Goldbug and the Throttle Bots, excuse me, and the Protector Bots and the Combaticons and a used car lot too. That's not the car wash of doom, I promise. Just come back. We'll get it straight, I promise. If you'd like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, Longbox Crusade. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, most podcatchers to include Spotify. I was just looking at Spotify today and Transformers Chronicles is there and make me smile. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Do a live stream is once a month, every second Sunday. Uh, come out to play a new Warriors podcast is every second Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, Jared sometimes does a cru- uh, Crusader Spotlight, and we'll put some stuff on there that's been on the Patreon feed for a while, too. Please give us a subscription. You can email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com as well. I need to add that phone number, Pat. Do you know it off the top of your head? No, I don't. Pick up the hey. phone. Something L-Box. Yeah, I, I, I remind me to add that for next month. Anyway, uh, also a special shout out to our Crusaders Club members. Please come join us. We only charge you $1 a month, but we give you so much more back to include our love and affection. And I mean, who wouldn't want that if we're selling it for so cheap? <laughs> John, why don't you tell us about your podcast? and where you can be found on the internet, and Maggie, you too as well. Maggie and I do a bunch of podcasts about a bunch of stuff. It's under the <laughs> <laughs> it's under the banner MWC Podcast. Most of our podcasts um, fall under that uh, anor- or moniker some way. Married Watching Cartoons is the main one where we take turns showing each other cartoons the other one hasn't seen. Uh, we also do Married with Comics occasionally, where we'll just do various comic-related stuff. Uh, Maggie wants cookies is the podcast where mm. Maggie says she wants cookies and I go to, to the one. store and get her cookies. I was going to say, do I just want cookies or do I also get cookies? We'll have to hash that out. Um, we is also Transformers also, wise. What is it also married with cats? Married, married with cats. cats. Um, yep. Yeah, that's that's our lives there. Yep. Um, 
Married with cold because it's it's very cold. Could be Mar- married Wisconsin cold. Yes. Uh yeah. You can find us just by um, looking up the term um, MWC or married with comics on any given podcatcher, um, including Audible. Now, if you have an Audible subscription, you can look for us there, and it'll automatically download new ones for you. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Is the best place to find me social media wise at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie and the Rain, although I'm not really on social media these days, but kind of. Sweet Pat, where can you be found? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin, where can you be found? I can be found on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY 1977. Goodbye, everyone. See you next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings till all are one. We're all like, are we saying it? What's going on? Is it? it. It's in the contract. I emailed you guys about it. I don't know if we say it after you or we say it with you. Yes. (laughs) How do you not know we've been doing this for like years? (laughs) I think the outro music should be playing like as we're arguing with you. I thought it was like, you say it, and then we we say it back to you. You know, it's like a. Call and response. Call and response. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics.